From Edge Radio 99.3 FM, this is an edit of The Dice Man Cometh, the podcast. The Dice Man Cometh. Good evening, everybody. This is indeed The Dice Man Cometh, and I'm here for once. Hey, hello. Isn't, isn't that fun? And I'm here, as always, with my colleague, Mr Garth. It's Lionel, is that right? Yes, Lionel. That's Lionel? Uh, Lionel. Or, or, yes, Garthy. Or, or Noel. And, and uh, that, that fellow over there is Mark, I believe. I am. Anyway, it is episode 277 on this Thursday, the 12th of September. Oh, it's going by so quick these days. Uh, 2019. And yes, the Dice Man Cometh are your one-stop shop for everything you play on a table, be it a board game, a card game, a role-playing game, a minis game, any type of game. And recently, we had good friend of ours, Aos, uh, from the the uh, previous uh, board game nights of Australia, come down to visit us in little old Tassie, and he bought a whole plethora of games with him, which we're going to talk about tonight, but they come from a specific style, most of them, and that is the trick-taking genre. That's right, and uh, you might not, you might know it as ladder games, I've heard them called that, I've heard them called, uh, shedding games are sort of a different school, but yeah, you know... Uh, you look at your classic card games, you've got, of course, your Bridge, your Euchre, your 500. Can't think of Crib in that as well? Uh, no. No, Cribbage is not trick so much. But, yeah, basically where you're playing to a centre pool and someone will play a card that beats other cards. Well, that's the aim, isn't it, is you're trying to win as many hands of, of a particular round as possible, yeah. usually, because usually the more hands you and sometimes your partner yeah. win. Yeah adds to your score. So as a mechanic that's been around for hundreds of years... As long as cards have been around, pretty much. Yes, and, and you would know. Ah, <laughs> see, we, that's the thing we do. We make fun of him because of the age thing. Yeah. I, I remember. It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, so we're going to get stuck into as many of them tonight as we can fit in, and then, as usual, we will probably run out of time. That's usually how we like to run the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All professionalism until we see five minutes to go, and then we just try and talk really quickly. Uh-huh. So, Mark... Yeah. How about you throw to a song, yes. and then we will come back and talk about the first of many little card games that we have played in the last week with good friend of the show, Aos. You're with the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio, 99.3 FM. This is Aos James. You're listening to The Diceman Cometh, the only thing you should be listening to. There we go. That was Annie Lennox with 1,000 Beautiful Things here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. I have been packing my house this week, getting ready for a move, and I think I've packed almost 1,000 beautiful board games into many, many larger cardboard boxes. It's amazing how much they take. And it's almost like a game itself where you've got to find that one goes there, that one goes there, Oh. This one can go on its side, down the side. It's like advanced Jenga and Tetris and all those things together. It sounds like a lovely solo game that me and Garth want nothing to do with. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Correct. Leon. Anyway, so yes, as we mentioned in the intro, our good friend Aos from Queensland, my uh, Lucha Libre Dice nemesis, uh, <laughs> was down for um, a few days and he um, he stayed with me and my wife and we tried our best to, uh, to entertain him by taking him around the sites. We took him up uh, Mount Wellington on a lovely day uh, and there was snow up there, which we weren't expecting, so he crash-tackled a snowman, as is his want. <laughs> well, he does look a little bit like that big mountain... Yes. You know, Wildlander person from Game of Thrones. Tormund. Tormund. He's very much a Viking-looking kind of geezer. However, he is also one of the nicest people I think I've met in my entire life. And a very, very enthusiastic man, especially when it comes to that of playing games. Mm. So he said he brought some games with him, which... 
is makes perfect sense. When we travel, we tend to bring some smaller games with us or whatnot. And then he brought out this little black case and he said, this is my quiver. And I went, what are you talking about? <laughs> And then I then proceeded to Google board gaming quiver and find out that it's a thing. And I can't believe it's something... It's a thing? I can't believe it's something that I've never heard of. So it's like a long black case about the width of, funnily enough, a deck of cards. And he opened it up and he had about 30 games in there. And we're not talking... I mean, he did have a, a deck of normal everyday playing cards and some generic dice and generic tokens. But he had about 30 proper actual games in there that he uses to travel around and play with. And I just thought, that's amazing. I did wonder when I saw it, where did it come from? Like, what is it? And the only thing that I could think is someone who plays maybe magic or those sort of card games Six. that need to take a lot of cards with them, that's what they would I use. I think that's exactly where yeah. it did originate from. But they, like, like I said, if you do Google board game quiver, there is one on Amazon that I think is specifically called, and I think it's the one he does have, wow. which does show you the things you can fit in little compartments and yep. stuff for like your little pads. So it's called the pencil. AOS board game quiver? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? Right, <laughs> well, when we leave a review on um, Amazon, if I end up <laughs> buying one, yeah, that's what we'll call it. Because <laughs> not only did he have all the card games, which, yeah. you know, we were a bit stunned because they were all out of their boxes just in like plastic... It's a bit wrong. <laughs> ...shrink, you know, those... Um, yeah. Ziploc bags. Ziploc bags. But then, yeah, in the other part of the sort of the lid, if you like, of yeah. the box, he had some chips, some cubes... Some generic dice. Some dice... You know, all the extra little bits that you need. And when we were at uh, Garth's birthday the other day, um, actually, uh, Neil from Polymorph Game was there and we were looking through the quiver together and I said to him, what do you reckon the retail price would be for all that stuff and that quiver put together, Neil? And he said, for, Leon, for you, I'd do a good price, but she still wouldn't be cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of games there. And so... Over the few days, uh, a few different meetings, we played some of them. So we're going to talk about a few of them and possibly what we would add to his magical quiver as well. And the, the, the interesting part of this for us as well as for you out there is we don't often play these little card games, at least not recently. I know I, I do own quite a few of them. I really enjoy that style of card game. You know, there's a couple he had that we were well familiar with. Yeah. But, I, you know, because we're always trying to get the newest and latest, greatest thing to the table, and it's usually a Euro game or an American-style game or a hybrid-style game where it's a longer, full-on board games with lots of bits, it's not... We haven't been playing a lot of these style of, uh, of games, so it's been great to get this big bunch all to the table. So before we have a quick talk about uh, a select few that are in there, I'm just going to quickly read out what he had in that case. Mm. Okay. Uh, so we start with Fugitive, Gutendamenrung. Perfectly. Gutendamenrung. Yep. Uh, the Fox in the Forest, Red Seven, Belratti, Crass Carriot, Three Secrets, Frank's Zoo, Gizzes a Chip, or No Thanks, <laughs> uh, Arboretum, Oh My Goods, Tarbor the Builder, Temple des Schreckens, Coloretto, Santo Domingo, and Hanabi. Yep. And that, like I said, and then generic dice and pack of cards mm. and stuff. And that alone was like, that is amazing. And then we thought, well, what could we add to it? But first, we're going to talk about some of these that we played with AOS for the first time. Are we ever? Mm. And let me throw your minds back to the heady days of a week ago where we finished up the last episode of The Dice Men Cometh and went very sneakily and non-suspiciously <laughs> to the local watering hole where Mark, the old cheeky bugger that he is, yes. proceeded to send me up into a room where 12 people? A, good, a, yep. good, a, good, a good number of people were a there to go, to go, 
Mark, why didn't you reply to my message? We were meant to be hiding under the table and surprise Garth for his birthday. Yeah. Hey, but surprise. But there was everyone there. We had a very lovely birthday night. So, again, thank you very much for all of that. Mm. One of the first games that we played was, surprisingly, out of Aos's quiver, called Illusion. Now, Illusion is designed by Wolfgang Vorsch. Shocking. Yeah. Now, Wolfgang has been a little bit of an it game designer lately because of things like... Quacks of Quedling Bird, That's So Clever, or Gunshot Clever, The Mind, oh, Twice yeah. as Clever, or Depault show, Slow So Clever, um, the upcoming or probably released but we haven't seen yet, The Taverns of Tiefenthal, uh, made a few games, won a few awards, came close to winning other awards. Yes, yeah, so The Mind is one that you could definitely have in your quiver if you decided. Uh, we, however, will not. <laughs> if you decided it's a game. Yeah. Well, if you decide that you want to have that sort of black hole within yeah. your quiver. <laughs> Uh, what do I want to play if no one wants to have fun? Uh, so, look, I'm going to start with the the illusion game just because on the BGG page it does nothing to describe what it is. And I'll read you the complete description of this game. Huh. Can you trust your eyes? How much colour do you really see? These questions are what drive gameplay in illusion. With rules that allow for gameplay to start immediately, who has the right perspective not to be fooled? Now... <laughs> Having already played the game, yeah. I kind of understand it and yep. I get, you know, being short and sharp and punchy makes sense, but if you didn't know what the game was and someone explained it to you as BGG does, you wouldn't really know what it's about. So let me explain. I think that's definitely got to be a translation from the, the German version. Who's the who's the publisher of this, Garth? I'm guessing it's... Uh, it's Nürnberger and a few other ones. Yeah, so, okay. anywho. One of your German card game producers. This game is very simply... A deck of cards, which is why it fits in a quiver quite appropriately. Mm -hmm. On one side of the deck of cards are a whole bunch of splodges of different colours in different shapes, different sizes, different amounts. And on the other side of the card, it tells you what the percentage of each of the colours on the cards is. Mm -hmm. So you might see a card and it'll have some green and some red and some blue and some yellow. And on the other side of the card, it'll say blue, 13%, red, 14% green, 1%, and what have you. The object of this game is at the start of a turn, there will be another little deck of cards which just have some arrows on it, and those arrows are different colours, and that colour determines what one you're playing this particular round. The player who is first will flip over the first card and place it on the table face-up with all of the colours showing. The second player going around in clockwise order will reveal a card, mm. which will also have some random amount of colours, and all they have to do is put it to the left or the right of the other card, but in the order from smallest to highest number percentages of how much of that particular colour that you're fighting for takes up of the card. Mm -hmm. So you might be playing red, the first colour is revealed, uh, the card is revealed and it shows some red on it, you place it up face up. Second player draws another card, looks at it face up so that everyone can see and decides, oh, I think it has more red or less red than the previous card and places it on the side accordingly. Mm. That'll go around the table until someone decides, I think the last player to play a card and table it got it wrong. I'm going to call them out and say, you're wrong. Yeah, that's the words we use, sure. <laughs> Once that happens, all of the cards will be revealed and if there is any error in the percentage count from smallest to largest, the player who called it out wins that particular hand. Mm. They get the colour card, the colour you were fighting over, yep. as a point. 
and then it continues around until someone has got three points, and that is the game. Yes. It is not any more complicated than that. No, so it is exactly the game timelined. Or time, yes, timeline. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking of, which is another great game to have in your quiver because that game has infinite replayability. Because the worst thing you can possibly do with playing timeline over and over again is learn things. <laughs> so this is the exact same thing, but with color. So instead of kind of using your memory, you're using your your brain and your eyes and your 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 thinking of stuff that's on that card and your perception. Of. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Mm. Yeah, and it's really simple. But, oh, my God, it's fun. Mm. And it's all, for me anyway, fun because of the crazy, wacky variances that come in on every single card. It's not just random blobs of, of different colours. Some of them will be in perfect symmetrical positions. Some of them will be in weird and random shapes. Some of them will look very stylized. Some of them will look very natural. Some of them are just like, what? Yeah. I don't get it. And then you've got the fact that white is a part of their that doesn't serve any particular percentage purpose. Yes, it's a fill in but, the gaps. oh, my God, does it throw out your perception of how much colour is in a particular card. That's right, and you could look at two cards and say, well, there's about the same amount of, let's say, red on both of those cards, but what then affects your decision is, yes, but on this card, there's a lot more green, therefore the percentage of red will be more or will be less. And... So the percentage of the other colours obviously is going to mean those two, even though they might have physically the same amount of red on them, the percentage is different. And that's the little, well, it depends how you look at it. It's, it's the visual puzzle, it's the mathy puzzle, it's the gut puzzle, it's how you're trying to work out, is it more? Because some of these shapes do funny things and it's almost like some of them are visual illusions where you know you see those puzzles and it's like well that looks like there's way more of that but then there's actually less depending on how the shapes interact yeah that's right and look it's one of those games where there's a, a certain inevitability that it can only go around the table so many yeah. times before before someone just goes i call you're all liars yeah. and it doesn't matter whether i care the last player was right or wrong someone's made a mistake over the round yes and i'm just going to call it and it's similar to that in, you know, like Skull, for example. There's only so many times it can go around in yeah. Skull before you just go, clearly someone's told a lie, I'm just going to call it and just see how I go. Because I think that that's the important point to, to bring up is when you call it and say there's a mistake in there, it doesn't have to be just the person who played that last card. You're effectively saying someone in that group of cards has made a mistake and I think now's the time to have a look. Correct. And at the end of the day, in a small filler game, you want the rules to be quick. I yeah. think AOS taught this in about 13 seconds by yeah, putting well, the cards out and going, here's two of them. You get the idea and we go, uh-huh, and then we played it. Particularly because I think he said, you know, timeline? Yeah. <laughs> it's that with colours. Showed two cards. It was like, oh, yeah, get it. And bang, oh, we are off. Yeah. And, and that's it. And it was really fun and really simple. And again, it doesn't last for long. And yes, you have to play technically till someone play uh, gets three points, but it's one of those games yeah. you just play till it stops being fun. Mm -hmm. And that might be five minutes or it might be half an hour, depending on the group. It does not matter. And yeah. all it is is a deck of cards, and after you play it once... I don't think you'd ever need the rules ever again. I'd imagine the rules that actually came in the base game were probably one-card size of rules, if that. I Who would. knows? The mm. point is, buy that instead of the mind. Yes, <laughs> very much so. Now, the game I wanted to talk about uh, was a game that Garth has mentioned before because you did play this at uh, BorderCon with AOS, uh, which was Bell Ratty. Yeah. Now, a game that I'd heard 
you talk about. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fine. Until I actually played it and went, oh, oh, this is brilliant. <laughs> so the elevator pitch for this is that it's kind of like, if you like, say, a Dixit or a Mysterium, but you want to play it in five minutes and it takes about 30 seconds to explain, yep. that's what it is. So in Belratty, Belratty... Yeah, 30 seconds starts now. No, <laughs> Belratty himself is... Well, I'd like to put a bit of flair on it. <laughs> <laughs> Belratty is a uh, counterfeit uh, painter. Uh, that's what he does. He's, he's an evil rat man. So the other people in the game, you're, there's two different roles. You're either the people that run a museum or you're artists that want to get their painting shown in a museum. So there's a whole bunch of cards. Say there's a 100-odd cards that each have just different items on them. So two items will be put out. Say it was, uh, I don't know, what something that has nothing to do with each other. Say Eiffel Tower and a cactus. <laughs> just as a random... That have nothing they, to do with each other. They have Mark. a lot to do with each other, Leon. No, I'm they don't, sure Mark. The listeners will work that out straight away. Either way, so they come out, and then the artist will, uh, sorry, the curators of the museum will say to the artist, "We want, say, four or five or three or six pieces of work that have similarities to those two paintings." You're not actually allowed to say what they are because that gives people idea in their head and they start going from there. Yeah, that's kind of the start of the game, is that you can never describe what you are playing. So when someone reveals the first two pieces of art, yes. that from that point on, no one can say what's on the cards, even though Blind Freddy and possibly even Mark yeah. can tell that you've got an Eiffel Tower and a cactus. At least I was hoping that you were able to see that those two were there, Mark. <laughs> Just... Drawing random examples out of nowhere. Mainly because mm -hmm. you don't want to put things in people's mind. If a card comes out that's a picture of a snake, that's all well and good. But if it came out and you said, oh, that's a very yellow snake, now everyone's got yellow in their head. So you don't want to say anything. You just want to put them out and say, the curators will go, let's say, four. And then they will go, fine. The artists will then look at the cards in their hand and then between the two of them will say, I feel pretty strongly I've got two. What do you think? And they'll say the same thing. They won't say which ones that they're going to yeah. of those two cards. They will just say, okay, we've got our four up. Put them in a pile. Belratti himself always puts in four cards. So he's quite a prolific counterfeit. Yeah, it's Belratti who is just, who's not controlled by anyone. He's just, you know, yeah. a random evil person and four random cards are taken from a top, the top of a, a face-down yep. deck. And then you shuffle those together so nobody knows where any of them have come from. They all get put out. Uh, face up, and then the curators have to figure out which cards they think go to the two that they were sitting there. It could be two go to each, there could be all four go to one specific one, uh, but then you've got the Belratti cards in there as well to kind of throw mm -hmm. everybody off. And the artists can say nothing, they've just got to sit there. And then at the end of the round, the curators will go, is this one of them? And the artists will either say, yes it is, but it's in the wrong spot. If that's the case, you don't lose a point, that's fine. If it's the right one in the right spot, you get a point. Yeah. If it's the wrong one, Belratti gets a point, and once Belratti gets six points, the game is over. So you're just a playing, it's a co-op game where you're playing to see who can get the highest score. And also there's some extra little abilities you can get as well, and once you use them, you can then get them back again by doing specific number combinations. It's very, very simple. It's very, very good. There was a fascinating thing in this for me in that they've gone down the anti-Dixit option or anti-Mysterium op option of, in those games... The cards are so elaborate yep. and there's so much on there that often you don't even know where to look. Whereas in these pieces of art, they're very, very, most cases, they're very, very simple line drawings. Sometimes they only fill up like a quarter of the card. Well, they're also just a picture of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The thing might be a bee or a piano or a CD or a bra or an aeroplane. Mm -hmm. They're just a thing. So... Everything is immediately recognisable 
you would think. <laughs> There's no Dixit or Mysterium wacky art of craziness where you feel like you need to be on mushrooms or acid to understand the reason behind it. And yet people still are able to go, clearly that bee, because it has stripes yep. on its backside, that must be relating to this... A bars on a window over here. Yeah, it's the same thing, like I said, with the, the dicks at the Mysterium, that you'll get a card and you'll go, oh, straight away I go, this goes with that card, without a doubt. And then you'll put it down there and the other two people will go, like, they won't even talk about yeah. it. They'll just go, that one has nothing to do with yeah. these two cards. You're like, what are you talking about? It's the most <laughs> obvious thing. Like, for instance, Eiffel Tower and Cactus Mark. Yes. We all know those two go together so well. Which are both destinations that you might travel to. Yeah, I remember booking lots of holidays as a travel agent when people come in and say, I just want to see a I cactus. I want to see a cactus. Well, how yeah. sir? I want to see the Eiffel Tower. So, look, anyway, this game it did come out last year. It was nominated for a Golden Geek uh, for a Best Party Game. It was originally a German game, so when if you get a copy of it now, it will be in uh, German, but you can get the English rules of BGG. And I've just taught them to you anyway. Uh, there is a new version that's supposed to be coming out soon. However, the word is that they might be changing the art and it may even be black and white pictures mm. to yeah. eliminate that kind of colour aspect to it. Yep. I don't know if that's what you want or not, but I will be trying to get my hands on a copy of this somehow. Yeah, look, I had so much fun with this and, and yeah. possibly it's the game with us being down here for the last week or so that we've played the most. I've certainly yep. played quite a lot of it lately, which yeah. has been so much fun. For such a simple premise, simple card game, mm. it just continues to delight with small groups and large. I mean, it says it's up to seven players. So, look, I would highly recommend either finding a copy or doing your research and seeing when the next edition's going to come out. But, look, we better throw to a song because we have some more trick-taking games to talk about. But before we get to that, we better throw that at song mark on uh, the Diceman Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. I'm Matthew Lee from The Campaigner, and I listen to the world's best podcast. And I also listen to The Dice Man Cometh. There you go. That was some garbage. No, it wasn't. It was fantastic. But oh. it was by the band Garbage called Breaking Up the Girl here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are listening to The Dice Man Cometh. And, of course, we talk board games, role-playing games. And tonight we're talking exclusively, in this section at least, card games that we've been playing from the quiver of our friend Aos. That's right. Now, the one we're going to talk about now is arguably the most complicated of the games that we particularly played, although it is yet <laughs> a very small deck of cards with the very innocuous title of Frank's Zoo. <laughs> I Frank's was, Zoo. I was blown away. Oh, I should say I really enjoyed this game. But when you said we were discussing we were going to talk about this and I thought I'd go and do a little bit of research, mm -hmm. as, of course, we always do, the age of this game completely took me by surprise. Well, yes, because it's almost the same genre and vintage as most of your musical choices <laughs> because it is not of this century, let alone <laughs> this millennium, Mark, because it was first released in 1999. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. And it... Felt really fresh and like it could have been released last year to me. I mean, the art, look, it's very much your typical German card game art where it's cartoony animal art, which they, the Germans just seem to love on their card games. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's because I guess it sells and they're very consistent. You know, Wolfgang Warsch with his mind and the game and those things, he's maybe pushed the envelope a little bit by having 
not cartoony animal art on there. Yes. But it, it definitely looks like a German card game. Well, for, as the name suggests, you are thematically within a zoo environment, hence the name, and that's why you've got a lot of cartoony animal-style art. This game, again, being a trick-taking game, it defines itself as a climbing game. Now, what you're going to be trying to do is you're trying to get rid of all the cards in your hand as quickly as possible because usually you will get some points by being the first person to get rid of all the cards in their hand, mm. which is not unusual in trick-taking games. And that, Garth, is what I referred to earlier as a shedding game. Okay. So, so not only is it a, a trick-taking game, uh, a ladder game where you have a hierarchy of what beats what, mm -hmm. but then it's also a shedding game because you're getting all the cards out of your hand. There you go. So, look, we're not going to go into the specifics of this game because there are a couple of changes that will happen during the course of the game which add a little bit of variety. Mm. But essentially what you're doing is everyone's going to be dealt a the whole deck of cards. There are 60 cards in a deck. In a four-player game, you'll get 15 cards each and you'll then spend the next couple of minutes ordering them. And, oh... Ordering them is tricky yes. because in a zoo, Leon, Hello. there are not just land-based animals, but there are also sea-based animals in this particular zoo. I have seen those before, yes. Now, the thing is, there are animals at the bottom of the food chain and there are animals at the top of the food chain and there are sea animals that eat land things and there are land things that might be affected by sea things, who knows. But you know how when you get a big hand of cards and you want to try and, you know, put the things into clumps and sets and what have you, yep. that, that just makes sense? Well, this makes it a little bit tricky. Now, what you're going to be doing on your turn is you're going to be playing one or more cards. But the thing is, you're always going to have to play a card that is precisely the next, I guess, food chain up in this particular zoo. So if Mark plays a redfish... Me, as the next player, have two decisions. I can either play one more redfish than he's played, i.e. two redfishes, or I can play the next level up on the food chain, which is in this game, a bluefish. So that's all the decision I have to make. I was going to say a blue otter, but sure. No! <laughs> Watch some Attenborough, man. Redfish oh. are always eaten by bluefish. Oh. Now, that'll go around and around. You can pass and choose to come back into a round, so that's particularly interesting. And in terms of the different animals, I will just very briefly mention the food chain as best I can. There are redfish that will get eaten by bluefish. There are bluefish that will get eaten by killer whales or crocodiles or polar bears or, in fact, seals. There are seals that might get eaten by polar bears or uh, killer whales. There are polar bears that might be get eaten by killer whales or elephants. Yeah, I'd... I'd I'm not sure that elephants eat polar bears, but anyway. Anywho. Yes. Oh, you'd pay to see it, though, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, that sounds <laughs> very... talk about this. That sounds very morbid, but like, like a documentary or something. Uh, killer whales don't get eaten by anything, and that's kind of the way that the, the sea food chain goes. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the land food chain, which is the mosquitoes at the bottom of the pile. They'll get eaten by hedgehogs, but for some reason they'll get eaten by fish and also mice. You've got mice that'll get eaten by crocodiles and polar bears and lions and seals and foxes and hedgehogs. You've got hedgehogs that'll only get eaten by foxes. You've got foxes that get eaten by elephants or crocodiles or polar bears or lions. You've got uh, seals that get eaten by... You mentioned, mentioned those. By yes. lions that'll only get eaten by uh, <laughs> elephants. Crocodiles that'll only get eaten by elephants. And elephants that'll only get eaten by mice. Okay, that was all very important information, I'm sure. The point is it's complicated... Yes, I gathered that. ...for a little card game 
which is why you need to order things, yes. but you'll cock it up. Yes. So you've got that. You've got that land animals, sea animals, but there are two or three points where they cross. They converge. And, I mean, I know I even found myself at one stage thinking, oh, I'm stuck in the sea animal side of things, and then which one is it where crocodiles then get eaten by elephants? So it's like it crosses back when you don't expect it to cross back. So anyway, it is fascinating because the other thing that throws a wrinkle in this is only a couple of the things will score you points, primarily hedgehogs and primarily lions. You want to win tricks that have those things in your in the, the collective pool that you win. So you're not just trying to get rid of all of your cards as quickly as possible. You are trying to get rid of all your cards as quickly as possible while still getting the tricks that have these right animals in them. And it's a bit of a mind bendy brain mm. experience, especially that first couple of rounds. Oh, yes. It is really fun. Oh, boy, does it need a little four extra cards, which are the player age, which tell you what eats what. However, the card art has a giant picture of the animal that yep. it is and then like a thought bubble above the animal, which tells you this will get eaten by blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so that's really cool. The cards are useful information in that. Now... I thought I played this game really well because I was winning and winning and then it was like I was winning and then it was the last <laughs> round and I was winning and it's like Aos goes, well, as long as Garth gets one point, he's won. And then you know what? I got that point but Mark got nine. Oh. <laughs> and I went from dominating to coming second at least. Uh, and ah, that, the Leon method we call that. Correct. Now, the couple of variabilities in this is that after a round you will potentially form teams those teams will shift. It will not be the same team for the rest of the game. And that adds an interesting twist because you can kind of go for some form of strategy. Whoever is the weaker of the two partners, which is defined by where you are on the score track, can ask for assistance, meaning that the sort of the better player, I guess, we'll call it better player, <laughs> uh, can give them a card to help them in their efforts to stop sucking so bad. Uh, but Trent and I were partners for a lot of the time, so surprisingly we didn't share much. That's Yes, well. Shockingly. Um, look, interestingly for me, I went, well, firstly, we know that I won. But secondly, you know, I was the player who got rid of my hand first in every round. So clearly I was doing something right, even though I didn't quite, at, particularly in the early rounds, understand what I was doing. But I think in those first two rounds, I didn't score any lions or any hedgehogs. And that is the sort of little twist of their sort of bonus points or with the hedgehogs, it's how not to lose Correct. to get negative points. Yeah. So you get points for going out, you get points for the Lions. Um, you know, like if you go out first, you get four, and if you go out last, you get none. It's There's not much going on, but at the same time, there's a lot going on. And I think that's why I was so shocked when I looked at this and it said 1999. I thought, this game has very, it feels like, it has very much modern sensibility, sensibilities of how sort of intricate those crossing over of the land and the sea animals is and the thought that's been given to how that all works, to me, feels like it could have been designed this year. It could have been yeah. a Wolfgang Warsh type game. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that, very simply, obviously, elephants, which are the top of the food chain, are scared by mice, which will then reset, mm. allows these tricks to keep going and going longer than you would otherwise expect. And because it can go from sea to land and what have yeah. you, it's just interesting. So I really enjoyed this particular game, but it just takes that hand or two to get your head yeah. around it. Uh, so, look, if you can find a copy, 
probably worth a, a little investment mm. to mm. have a bit of fun. Now, another game he had in his quiver, which was right up my alley, was a game of Italian design called Three Secrets. Now, uh, in this game, there is it's just the whole box of this game is just cards, about 50-odd cards. And on those cards, there is a black and white picture on one side, except there are three details in this black and white picture that have a colour to them. Uh, there's different colours depending on the card, and they are to do with the, dif the difficulty. For instance, the cards that have the three uh, green things highlighted, they're supposed to be the easier ones. Mm -hmm. There's red and purple that are harder and so on and so forth. Uh, you'll be looking at that and trying to figure out what secrets are to do with these three highlighted objects? The other person that's holding up the card, they know the story because there's a little story on the back of the card. They know about this person. They're all named after just a person that's on the card. So like Max, Phil, Todd, whatever. They will know their story and they also have clues to each of those three secrets because this game is done, it's a co-op cooperative game where it's kind of like 20 questions, but it's also done on a timer. So you'll start the timer, people will start asking, okay, for instance, one of them was there was a guy that was a truck driver and there was a wedding ring that was highlighted. So people just started asking questions about that. And you keep asking questions until you get to the specific secret that they're trying to, to get you towards. So it's a very, very interesting thing. It's more like an activity, but what you can also do is play this in teams, where if you have teams, it's the first team to get two out of the three oh. that kind of win the card. Sadly, it's kind of once you know the story of the card, that card's kind of burnt with that oh, particular game done, group. It, yeah. However, at the end of the day, there's 50 or so of them in yeah. this pack. Each game will take you five to ten minutes. We, the other night, with Aos, played one of the awesome exit series escape room in a box things. That took just over an hour for four of us, and we had to throw that away. Whereas this, like I said, 50 cards, yep. ten minutes each. You do get your money's worth and you can play it with different groups and you can kind of be just the moderator. And I believe there's, whether you call it an expansion, whether you can call it a completely different game, there's like a second There's a new set. one coming out soon, which is Crime Something, I think it's called, um, which is basically version two of it. So it's the exact same game, okay. uh, but there's just more cases. Uh, this game, I think, would have taken off a lot better, but sadly it has to be said that it suffers from something that an old game called uh, Mind Trap, uh, we'll talk about quickly, because in this game called Mind Trap, there was all these different riddles. It's like a box of about 200 cards, and they have riddles on them. And some of them are absolutely amazing, whereas some of them are so ridiculous that yeah. no one in their right mind would ever guess. So that's where this game kind of falls flat, because, for instance, when we did a card the other night, uh, there was two things on there that I thought, they will eventually get there. And my wife, for some reason, quick as a whip, got to these things very quickly. Then there was a third one on there. And keep in mind, this was a card of not that hard a difficulty. The thing that was highlighted, I believe, had nothing to do with the secret <laughs> they were trying to guess. So until I gave them a clue, which you can get in this game, but it car takes your time down to half mm. in this section, they, I don't think, ever would have got it. No. And it also needs to be stated... Uh, there's something that I think is really cool, and probably isn't enough of in this game, that this game is very much a mature theme game. We're talking R18+. plus. Some yeah. of the stuff that happened in this game, a lot of them are to do with crimes and whatnot. Some of them are horrific, which is probably why I like it, because I'm quite metal and cool like that. Well, you are wearing black again tonight, Leon. Shockingly, I know. But, um, yeah, Three Secrets is a game that if you can get your hands on a copy of it, hopefully it's in English, um, I know I'll be looking to get my hands on it because I think this will go down really, really well with my gaming group. Yeah, look, I really enjoyed it because it is... It's not role-play, no. but it's detective work. Yeah. You are trying to work out... And because the person who is holding the card and can see the answers can really only guide you so much, they can say, 
the answer to your question is not relevant, or yeah. I don't know, or they can go... Mm, yeah, it's, yes, it's normally, it's very much the where words, yes, no, maybe, irrelevant, I don't think so, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's just kind of another version of it. It's an adult version of 20 questions with an interesting story and theme wrapped around it. It's just a shame that some of the things are very, very difficult to get, but hopefully the kind of moderator can at least point you in somewhat the right direction so you can yeah. still have fun with it. And I think at the end of your experience, if you've played every card and gone, this game's done for us, yeah. you would either pass it on to a, another group yeah. of friends because they'd enjoy it, or the art is really that good yeah. that you would just put it up on a wall. You'd get all the cards, line them up and frame it, mm. and it would look spectacular, I think, as a, as a working piece of art. I must admit, that was what struck me when I saw it, was I immediately thought, I don't know, Leon, if you know, I'm sure you do because you're a, a graphic novel expert, mm. um, something like 100 Bullets it's got that kind came of, to my mind. Was that Azarello? Yes, it's very much got that kind of uh, 1980s gritty, very much noir kind mm. of comic style to it. Um, it's a game that's hopefully with a newer version it might get a bit more tread and maybe in the newer version they've taken the criticism on board that hang on some of these things you're trying to get people to guess are a bit yeah. too much that kind of ruin it you don't want people to feel they're not going to feel stupid because they're going to think this card's stupid because no one was ever going to yeah, get it yeah. yeah but at least it plays short enough where you can just go oh, oh yeah. let's move on Speaking of moving on, ah. should we throw to a little song and then we'll come back and wrap this baby up with mm. the last of our particular games and maybe something else? Possibly. Why not? And look, I'd like to dedicate this song to all the people that have a Sarah or a Sarah in their life. <laughs> we all know that everyone should have one of those. We'll be back soon with more. Hello everyone, it's Mark here, the eldest statesman of the Dice Men Cometh, just wanting to take a quick opportunity to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everyone that has been supporting us on Patreon recently. We've had a little bit of a jump in supporters and we appreciate it so much. Every cent that you give us goes into getting us to board game conventions, things like BorderCon, PAX, Essen Unplugged, and even hopefully early next year, CanCon, where we can report back to you on what's happening. We'll have interviews with designers and artists and publishers and gamers as well, and you'll know what you're missing out on. We appreciate your support so much. Look, if you've been on the fence thinking about whether or not to support us, I say just jump in for as little as a dollar a month. You won't even notice it, but we certainly do, because unfortunately, airfares out of this little island where we live are pretty expensive. But hey, enough of me. Let's get back to the action. Thank you again. Talk to you soon. Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Man Cometh with the newest hits of the day. That was Hall and Oates with uh, 1975. Wow. Well, uh, with Sarah Smile, I'm going to call it because that's my preference. Uh, right, Garth, the final game we're going to talk about in this quiver of many. Yes, we are talking about checkered combos, or as they say in the old language, grass curry Oh, yes. Mm. Uh, this is another trick-taking game where you don't necessarily need to win, you just need to not lose. Um, so each player's going to start, they'll have some tokens out in front of them, they'll have two face-up cards in front of them, and they'll get dealt a hand of some cards. Now, those cards uh, have different patterns on them which mean nothing whatsoever in the game, but they do have numbers on them, so that's useful. And I think, look, I don't know whether that's... 
they've done that because of the name? Because this is, you know, we talked a lot about German card games tonight. Another thing that German card games love to have, or in fact a lot of German games in general, is they love to have the punny, or in this case, the alliterative name. So... Crust Carriert. Exactly. Yeah. You know, or other examples that I can't quite... Well, we know now. Friedman, Germans, yeah. with, they're known for their sense of humour. They're yes. very, very funny people. Yes. Okay, so in this particular game, you've got to get dealt your cards. Now, stop. Okay. Don't pick up those deck of cards that you've just received and shuffle them and move them and order them around like you would do if you were playing Frank Zoo because, lo, okay, you're not allowed to. Okay. So you are not allowed to replace, remove, mm. move around, adjust uh, the cards that you are given, and that is the game because... Yes, it is a trick-taking game in that you will always have to beat the card that is played. So similar to Red 7, you always have to be winning this particular trick at the end of your turn. You can play one or two or a maximum of three cards on your turn. So simply, a single card, which is numbered from 1 through to 12, a 2 will beat a 1. A 3, Leon, will beat a 2. Interesting. Or you can go up to a run of 1 and 2 or two and three, or three and four. And again, the higher the number will win. Or you can go to pairs, or you can go to runs of threes, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, blah, 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 blah. Or you can go to three of a kind, with ultimately the best possible combination being three twelves. Yes, and this, again, is a classic example of what we call a ladder game or a climbing game, because there's a hierarchy of what will be what. What, gentlemen... What would you think of when I say what is the classic ladder or climbing game that I think there would not be a person out there who knows? Rummy. Well, I would say poker. Poker. Poker is the classic because you've got the hierarchy of what wins the hand. I was going to say snakes and ladders. (laughs) So, anywho... This game will go around and the first person to go out, great. Second person to go out, great. Third person person to go out, great. But the last person will always have to get rid of one of the tokens that are in front of them. Now, you can either play with two or three tokens depending on how long you want the game to go. Mm. Now, if you cannot beat the particular trick in front of you that the player to your right has just played, your option is to go, oh, bugger. But then you have to draw one of the two face-up cards in front of you. And they're kind of like... I can increase my hand a little bit and maybe get another combo going, and that's good. That sucks, but you have to do it. And it's also a case of now I have one more. Not only did I not play a card, so I'm not down one, but now I've got one extra card in my hand. There are also three really doozy cards in this one that will just throw something a little bit odd. The first one is if you play a three cards card, so it's just one card that has a picture of three cards, that means you don't win the trick but whoever does has to draw three cards. So instead of getting rid of all of the cards and winning the trick, meaning you get to go first next, you still get to do all those things, but you've got three more cards in your hand, which is really, really terrible. Yeah. The other... Except there is one special thing about how you draw those three cards, Garth, which is very, very critical Yes. in that you draw them one at a time. And remember how we said you can't order your hand? Well, when you draw these three cards one at a time, you place them anywhere you want. So all of a sudden, I have a seven and a nine. I draw an eight. Ooh, look, I slide it in between the seven and nine. And now the useless seven and the stupid nine and now the most awesome combo of seven, eight, nine. There you go. In a similar vein, there is also the X card, which is not the Roman numeral 10, 
But it could be because it's a wild. Ooh. It replaces any any other number as mm-hmm. long as it is played in the right way. So it could be X nine ten, and that would mean that X is going to be either an eight or an eleven, depending on how you want to play it. Uh, there is then also the stop card in there, which essentially means stop this trick, I win it. Now, in the deck, there are two of each of those. Two th- draw three cards, yep. two stops and two Xs, and that just throws enough little interest in there. This game was my favourite out of all of the trick-taking games that we've played. It would probably fall second to Barati for me personally out of all of these small card games that we've played. I had so much fun with this, but I also just felt like I got it straight away. Yeah, I, And I, that's one of those things that it's just a personal preference. I felt like I got this game. I felt I played it well. And I did. Do you know why, though? I have a theory why it had that feel. Because I had that same feel. And it's because it's a bit like poker. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like you know. Not only with the draw three, but just the way you're playing the higher and higher cards. Um, and then you've played Bonanza. Maybe yeah. a lot of people haven't played Bonanza, but Bonanza has that hand management of where you can't move your cards around. But I think just those two things of poker and you know, how many people out there have played those two games and therefore the vast majority of this game is very, very familiar to people. Correct. Now, moving on mm. yeah. to how Aos was stupid and had <laughs> games that weren't in his quiver that should have been, yep. Leon, how do you want to start off by telling Aos... Put these games in your quiver. I'll just quickly run through the list because, as mm-hmm. always, we've run out of time. Yep. Uh, Llama, new one. Why not? Lie. It's liar's dice in yep. the smallest possible way. Art of War because mm-hmm. it's cool. Uh, the Grizzled. You would need the coffee tokens. Other than that, just the deck of cards. Gloom. Good storytelling game. Can go for five hours sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, fairy Tale is yeah. another game which is really good, and it's just a deck of cards. Yeah. What's the new new fairy Game, good Fairy games, season. publishing. Yeah, that would clearly go in. For me, the game. Yes, that's one I've been playing a lot of. Um, Jaipur, technically, but yep. it has the chips. Um, I said Bonanza, and because it yeah. is just a deck of cards. Um, and there's an old Italian... Uh, it's an old German game, but it looks Italian because it's Mamma Mia, the pizza game, which, again, it's a, one of those uh, old Amigo Spieler games where it's just a deck of cards. Yep. Now, that's fair enough. I also threw Friday into the equation yes, for a little of bit of solo mm-hmm. action. Yep. Uh, you could definitely stick in a Seven Wonders Duel there. Yep. And that would be awesome as far as but, I... But it's got little cards. They yeah, don't fit. Take it's not the right size. Place. Hey, Bill Ratty cards <laughs> yeah. are about the same yeah, size as Seven enough. Wonders Duel. Okay. Um, he may have also done this because I'm not surprised if he did, but 40 blank cards so you can have times up wherever you go. Uh, yes. He's something def- he probably did, and I'm just going to say he yep. didn't, and it was my idea. No, fair enough. <laughs> but, yes, that's just something. Oh, and a pencil. Yes. Oh, he had some pencils in there. But that's just an example. Uh, let us know what you would have in your board game. Yeah. Or if you have one, please take a photo and send it to us. We would happily take it on all the social medias and share it with all the friends. Mm. Absolutely. Well, we have... Can you believe it, gents? We've packed a whole show, almost an hour, of little card games that take virtually no time to play, virtually no time to explain, but are so much fun. And it, just like I said, I've enjoyed it so much going back to the basics of playing those games. I've really enjoyed this show too. It's good to have you back, Leon. No worries. I won't be here next week. Well, (laughs) Night shift again. Either will I because I'm actually moving house next Thursday. Oh, solo Garth. So Garth's got to decide what he's going to do. But in the meantime, we might leave you. (laughs) Yeah, we might leave you in suspense. Uh, You go and play lots of great little card games all week Mm. and then you can report back to us about how great they were. But we will see you 
whenever we see you. Bye. Bye. Boy, you might. This has been an edit of The Dice Men Cometh from Edge Radio 99.3 FM, Hobart's independent youth station. Find us on Facebook and edgeradio.org.au.